First John chapter number four. We're going to find out who was paying attention in one of my last messages. I made a statement when I was preaching that I may have to preach this message again. And this weekend I couldn't get away from it, so here we are. First John chapter four. We're going to read verses 7 through 11, and then we're going to jump to verse 16 and read through verse 19. 1 John, chapter number 4. 1 John, it's right before Jude, and Jude is right before Revelation. Amen. And if you're wondering, it's on page number 1753. Amen. Well, that is if you have the apostolic study. What's that? (laughs) Hey, your Bible's longer than mine. Amen. Well, praise God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Everybody read this next line with me. For love is of God. Amen. Does anybody believe that this morning? Love is of God. So if it's not love, if it's hate, then what is it of? Not of God. Something other than God. Well, glory. Amen. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth knoweth not God, for God is what? God is love. And this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation. For our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, can you read this next line with me? We ought also to love one another. For God is of love. For love is of God, we read first. And next thing we read is, we ought also to love one another. If God so loved us. Jumping down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Everybody say there's no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Amen. Let's, let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. Can we do that? Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to step into your house. Truly, falling in love with you was the best choice I've ever made in my life. But really, God, it it was just in response to your love. God, and truly, all I can say today is I love you too. God, I'm asking that you would reach down in this service, God, and I pray that you would let revelation come into the hearts of every man and woman that is in this place or under the sound of my voice today. I pray you would bind our hearts and our minds together, Jesus. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Amen. Can we give him a hand clap of praise before we're seated today? Oh, I love you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised today, God. I exalt you, Jesus. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God is love. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't know what love is. Because you understand what the phrase, God is love, states. That's who God is. We are stating one of his characteristics. It would be like me stating, this young boy right here, this is Mateo Lucas Mendez. I almost said one. I knew that wasn't right. Now you all know his full name. But John said, God is love. Love. That's who God is. God is holy. God is many things. But I want to emphasize this portion of God that we know of as love. When this message was birthed, if I remember correctly, I was dealing with a situation where I was running into many people and they, they had this conception of God, this, uh, not conception, this perception of God. What I meant to say was misconception of God. Can I say it this way? But their perception of God, Sister Winnie, was that he's sitting away somewhere looking at us through the lens of judgment every single day. There will be a day of judgment. He's given us a, a book that we can live by, and he's going to judge us by that one day. But Sister Winnie, the misconception that I, I, if I remember correctly where this message was born out of, was I was dealing with many people who perceived that God was always standing there waiting for you to make a mistake. Can I help you understand where that perception comes from? It comes from our nature. It comes from your experience. Can I tell you, these boys will perceive God how they perceive their father. My children will perceive God through the lens of how I represent him to them. The world will see God through the lens of how you represent him to those around you. If you still have kids, you still have those at home that you can still nurture them. Look, you have a heavy responsibility. It's your responsibility to make sure that you're representative of God in such a way that it will make Mateo want to, when he gets to that age where he says, man, I want to love God like my dad loves God. I want to love God like my mom loves God. 
I want to have a passion for God like, like those that I saw. He's going to look and he's going to say, hey, I saw Sister Winnie raising her hands and singing with all of her might. because, And I want to sing and worship God like that. I want to be consistent in my, in my church attendance just like I've been taught. It's going to come through how he's perceiving it in somebody else's life. And can I tell you, if you do it and you grudgingly do it, your children pick up on that very easily. And guess what? If church isn't a priority to you, then it will become non-existent for your children. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to go off on all that. I want to talk about God being love. God is love. He put before us the ultimate representation of love. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Who are his friends? We are. He longs for us. In fact, if you want to say, man, I've been too crazy to be God's friend, let me tell you something. Who did Jesus call friend when he was betrayed? Judas came to Jesus and kissed him on the cheek and said, and Jesus asked him, friend, dost thou betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Now, I'm going to qualify this because I want you to understand I don't believe everybody's the friend of God. That's a hard saying. But do you know why Judas was his friend? Because Judas was allowing him the vehicle in which to complete the will of God. Anything that allows the kingdom to go further and to grow, you would be the friend of God. Now, thankfully, Peter got things right. But you realize Peter, in the same conversation, Jesus told him he was blessed, and he said, I'm giving you the keys, Peter. And then within just a few words... He called Peter the enemy. Why? Because Peter was rebuking him and trying to thwart what the will of God was. Thus, the bottom line, if you want to be a friend of God, you're going to be one of those that is helping further the kingdom. Those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're a friend of God. Does that make sense? I'm, I have a hard time, okay, personally, I have a hard time. This came up yesterday when I was talking about some songs. And there are some songs, folks, I, even Christian songs, I'm just like, wait a minute. I can't do that. And it's good. It's got a good melody. Most of the words in the song sound wonderful. And you guys are going to crucify me when I tell you what song it is because it's a very popular song in all of the churches. And guess what song it is? I'm a friend of God. There are some statements in the song that aren't biblical. 
That's my problem. And just like I want to make sure I'm sound in my doctrine and in my teachings, I also don't want to be singing stuff that isn't accurately scriptural, accurate scripturally. I hope that makes sense. I'm a bit weird when it comes to um, the things of God because I, I, I'm, I, I get... I get weird because of what I said this morning in Bible class. Those of you that weren't here, I want you to understand. I have no problem with you being studious and digging into the Word of God and, and to trying to find out this, this Word of God and, and what the truth is. But let me tell you something. I do err on the side of caution when you start trying to dig into other religions and trying to figure out what their teachings are. Why? Because, as I said a while ago, I have to say it again because we have uh, several that weren't here that, that entire time. So just bear with me. If, if, if I'm going to know what the true is, I need to be, uh, I mean, I need to be indoctrinated in that true. I need, to, I, need to be in, I need to have that consuming me. I need truth on a regular basis. That means... I use the I use the uh, the scenario of a bank teller, right? When when they're trying when when they're training bank tellers, they don't go grab a whole bunch of fake money and give them give them fake cash. But all you get to do is you get to run through your hands regular cash on a regular basis. And and I know I'm I'm rehashing some things, but I want you to understand those bank tellers that have been handling that real money for so long. As soon as they and I and I saw one one time. They were counting and counting and counting, and, and I said a while ago, I, I don't know how they count that fast. I can't even count that fast just saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and getting mixed up. But I can say this much. They, they were counting their money, and they were going to town, and the next thing I know, one just flies off to the side, and they keep going, and they didn't miss a beat. I said, what in the world? And they said, well, it didn't feel right. And in that instance, it really wasn't a right bill. How did they know? Because all they had been dealing with was the real stuff. And they knew what the real felt like. And they knew what the real handled like. And, and they knew what it looked like. And when they came in, uh, across, they didn't even have to see it. All they had to do was, oh, that doesn't feel right. And just, just keep moving. That's how it ought to be at the kingdom of God. If we encounter something that's not right, we've got to be willing to say, hey, I don't feel right about that, and I'm not going to stick around, and I'm not going to let that be effective in my life. Now, you need to, here's what I say, and I'm going to make sure this is very clear, and I want to move back on to the God is love stuff. But if you, if you feel like that you need to understand a little bit more about their doctrines, please, 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 make sure that you are so inundated with the truth before you jump into that stuff because you can become very confused very easily because when you put man's reasoning to pages and words on pages and hear other people philosophize and begin to and, and begin to debate and and so on they can make absolutely accurate points and twist them just so much that it becomes sounding very close to the truth but if you're handling the real stuff you know what's real and what's not. Amen. And I want to know what real love is. I want to know what real love is. God is love. And we have the opportunity to, 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 to be able to be engulfed with his love if, I'm getting ahead of myself. Just ride with me for a minute. 
How did Jesus love us first? Ever think about it? How did he love us first? He created us. And then when we went astray, what did he do? He gave us a way out. His son was the escape. That flesh that was born of Mary became that propitiation, that go-between, that thing that stood in the gap between heaven and me. And now I have opportunity to go before the king of kings. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his what? His love. Toward whom? To us. To you and to me. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't have to. He didn't have to love us that much. But even though he knew we were going to fall into sin time after time after time, he still paid the price for sin. And the price for sin is death. And so he had to become the one who was the perfect lamb. We know that Jesus loved us first because while we were yet sinners, he died for us. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 7 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Here we go. I'm talking about that God. People say, hey, hey, he's over there. He's watching me. He wants to judge me. No, my friend. No, he said, I commend my love to you. I want you in my, I want you in a relationship with me. He said, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the God that we serve because he's love. We can see his love because he laid down his life for us. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Amen. Hallelujah. And because Jesus loved us First, amen, we ought to love him in return. God keeps his promises. God extends his mercy to those that love him. Look at what Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 says. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with who? Can you see that? With them that love him and keep his commandments. Amen. God will bless those who will seek after him and who will love him back. Hallelujah. God preserves those that love him. Psalm 145 and 20 said the Lord 
preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. Amen. The Lord preserves those who love him. Amen. And you can go on. Heaven is promised to those that love him. First Corinthians 2 and 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that endureth him for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. James 2 and 5, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them that love him? He did love us. He did love us. He does love us. Can I make sure? It's, it's, it is present tense. Uh, my God loves us. Uh, and he loved us so much back then uh, that he died uh, on an old rugged cross. Uh, he became the one that was despised. Uh, he became the one who, who endured. Uh, amen. So that he could pay the price of sin. Hallelujah. But we owe him something back. We owe him something. He gave everything for you and me. And yet we sometimes hold to ourselves because, for lack of a better explanation, we're selfish. All we're, all we're after is what makes me happy, what makes me satisfied. <laughs> that brings a song to my mind. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Only Jesus can satisfy my soul. Only he can cleanse me and make me whole. Only Jesus can. He loves us. He loves us. Does anybody believe that he loves us? Does anybody believe that he loves you? Does anybody believe that he will love you tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. He loved me. He filled me with his spirit. He loved me. He woke me up this morning. He loved me. He brought me to the house of God today. He loved me so much. He, I believe he's going to wake me up tomorrow and allow me to find some place in the Holy Ghost to spend time with him. Amen. That's what his desire is. Amen. When he created man in the garden, he, he would come down on a regular day basis every single day just to spend time with Adam and Eve and one day he showed up and he said Adam Eve where are you at and they said Lord here we are we had to hide ourselves because we were naked and he said who told you that you were naked? Amen. I didn't tell you that. Amen. And that the sin had revealed, amen, our inadequacy without him until they had partaken of the tree of knowledge. God kept them, God was their knowledge. Nothing else mattered at that time. But that wasn't enough in the human mind. And they fell into sin. I don't have time this morning to go into all of those implications because you know what I'm talking about today. 
your minds run rampant I don't know how many times and you realize hey how many times you you are dealing with situation after situation I, I said I don't have time but I've got to deal with this for just a second you run into situations and you don't understand why is this happening and you try to reason it out and you think you've got it all figured out until you get into the church house and the preacher begins preaching and you say oh my goodness I was all way off on that situation or you go to a place of prayer and you're like man and God begins to deal with you. And he opens your eyes. And he said, you, you need to go handle it in this fashion. That's how God works. Do you know why God works that way? Because he loves you. He don't want to see you fall off into despair. He don't want to see you deal with depression all the time. He don't want to see you going through hell on earth. He wants to see you free. Can I tell you how we can stay free? How you can abide in liberty. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I've said this three or four times this month already. But I want you to understand, in order for you to stay victorious all the time, that doesn't mean life ain't going to throw curveballs at you. But you can still stay victorious as long as you abide in the presence of the Lord. I remember as a child I, or as growing up in church, I, I would hear people state that, and I'm like, man, I can't always just stay at the church. I can't live at the church. I got a life. I got to do, got to go to school. I got to do these things. And so in my mind, I'm like, how does that even work? How can I abide in the presence of the Lord? Because in my mind, the presence of the Lord dwelt in the house of God, and it does. But my goodness, folks, you need to take what you get here, and you need to take it home with you. And you need to create an atmosphere in your home that's just like what you experience when you come to church. And if you have a hard time doing that at home, let me tell you something. That means you got something at home that you need to deal with. So that the love of God can abide there and work there. And you can have liberty. And you can have a victorious home. And you can sleep at night without fear. And you can wake up in the morning and, and feel refreshed. Why? How can this be? Well, it's by dwelling in his presence, by, by, by spending time with him. It's really that simple. And he loves us so much, he wants us to abide with him in that fashion. Hallelujah. We could spend time this morning. I, I don't have time really to get into all of this. Amen. I, I wanted to talk about Daniel. Amen. And, and how that he loved God so much that even though he was taken captive and put into a foreign land and was trying to be fed things that were contrary to what he knew the law of God would allow him to do. He loved God so much. He said, hey, I don't want to eat that meat that was, was sacrificed to false gods. He said, just bring me uh, just lentil soup uh, just bring me some salad bring me something uh, amen that's not been sacrificed uh, or a part of the rituals uh, of false gods uh, amen and, and he, he finally convinced them he said I want to take a time and I want you to try me and see if God won't bless uh, this thing uh, amen and they allowed them uh, to not eat of the king's meat uh, and guess what Daniel wasn't the only one uh, that was taken captive and knew what the law stated. Amen. But sounds to me like Daniel and a few of his friends were the only ones that loved God so much they were willing to say, hey, 
this isn't right, guys. We need to do what God has asked us to do, even if we're not back home and nobody else is ever going to know. I want to live for God with all of my heart, and I want to be pleasing to Him because I love Him. Hallelujah. You can go on in, in Daniel. There's a story after story after story in the book of Daniel where you find that they are, in fact, I, I will say this. I think it was Daniel. I'm pretty sure Daniel was the last chronologically book to be written in the Old Testament. And Daniel and his friends were the last to go through some of these trials. And from what I can tell by what historians have written and other, other studies that I've done, that after this captivity that Daniel and his friends went through, uh, amen, there was a testament to what Daniel and his friends uh, withstood uh, and that never again in history do we find where God has to go and deal with the children of Israel for, for going off after false gods. Now, I'm sure there are some of those that would go off, but not the majority of the Israelites like we normally read about throughout the Old Testament. Don't have time to get into that part. But I want you to understand, this morning, we need some Daniels to rise up. We need some Daniels to say, God, I know you love me, but I love you too. And I want to be pleasing to you, Jesus. I want, I, want to be, I want my life to be a testimony of your goodness. Uh, amen. You can think of the three Hebrew boys, amen, that went after the example of Daniel. Amen. When, the, when, when, when they erected that big old massive uh, statue, these three Hebrew boys, everybody else, there were, they weren't the only three Hebrew boys there that day. There were more of them that were, were Hebrew. Uh, amen. But when the music began to play, I don't know, maybe they justified whether or not they were going to bow down that day. Uh, amen. You know how some folks, when they go into the cafeteria, uh, I, I know me as a kid when I was in, in fourth grade, amen, I was in public school. The rest of my life I was in uh, homeschool. So, um, but I remember in, in the cafeteria that I, I knew I had to pray for my food. Thank God for my food. And so instead of making a scene about it, you know, I'd, I'd bow my head and just scratch my head and thank Jesus for this food, bless him, Jesus, amen. Nobody know the wiser, you know. I, I, I was slick. But I wasn't being a witness. Granted, I was in fourth grade. I'm not saying I was doing okay. But I can tell you this much. We need folks that are willing to go beyond just thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it in Jesus' name. No, you put it aside and you say, Lord, I thank you for, your, for, for this food that you're about to give, that I'm about to consume. People need to know. I'm not trying to convict anybody over how you pray for your food, all right? I'm just here helping you understand. But I believe that that day, when there were other Jews there, the three Hebrews stayed standing, standing straight up. They wanted to make a statement. But who knows? I don't know. This is speculation. The Bible doesn't say anything. Absolute conjecture. But Brother Tuffy, some of them probably justified, man. As soon as the, as soon as the music started, oh, man, look. My sandal's untied. Just convenient enough that it was when the music started. 
Now, you know, I'm human too. I don't want to die. But something rose up in the heart of those boys. They said, hey, I don't care. And when, when King Nebuchadnezzar looked at him and said, hey, don't you know I have the power to kill you? They just looked at him and said, yeah, but God has the power to deliver us out of your hand. That's what they said. And guess what God did? He delivered them out of his hand. And guess what? Nebuchadnezzar had a revelation of who God was. And that God loved his people. And he will always work on the behalf of those who love him. Amen. I'm almost done this morning. Just ride with me just a few more moments here this morning. Amen. They, they, could, have, they could have been like everybody else, folks. They could have been like everybody else. They could have bowed. They could have hidden that they weren't bowing. I don't care what you put to it. Those three Hebrew boys said, I don't care. I love God so much. I want everybody to know. I don't care if they talk about me. I don't care if they think I'm foolish. I want the world to know I love my God. So today, whoever wants to play this morning, you can come on and play. You can play falling in love with Jesus. is fine with me. But today, I have come, and if I haven't had your attention this whole morning, I'm asking you for your attention right now. We're going to wrap this up. But I've come to ask you today, will you allow your love for him to grow more today? He loves you. He longs for a deeper relationship with you, my friend. And when we love him, we don't have to be afraid any longer of anything. Because in our text, he says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. This word could also been, have been translated worry. Depression. You don't have to be depressed. Because love casts that out. Jesus already took care of it. And he that fears is not made perfect in love. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as I close this morning. There are some characteristics of love that if you ever wonder what real love looks like, why don't you mark 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 down? And do some studying on what love looks like. I'm going to jump to verse number four. The Bible says this. In, in the King James, charity could have also been translated love. So instead of reading charity, I'm going to read the word love in the, in the place of charity. First Corinthians 13 and 4 says, love suffereth long and it's kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. And it's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. 
It does not seek her own. It is not easily provoked. And it thinketh no evil. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8 says, love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And it goes on and says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And he said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as one. But when I become a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These are the three. But the greatest of these is love. We need to love. We need commandment. The first of all commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love. The Lord thy God. I need to love him more today than I ever have before. Because he still loves me. And he's still seeking after more of me. He's calling me to a deeper place in a relationship with him. His love passes all of our understanding, folks. We could try to wrap our brain around it. My question is, are you willing to love him back today? Are you willing to respond to his love with your love in kind? Can we stand this morning? I think we need to lift our hands, and I think if you really do feel the way that I've been preaching this morning, God, I love you too. I love you. I love you back. God, I give myself back.